Hey guys, welcome back to Fake Football Real People. Here today we got Sam, Pence, Solis, Rory, and myself, Garrett. Today we are covering the NFC South, which includes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, and the Carolina Panthers. Let's dive right into some news today. The Mavs routed the Clippers, bringing the series to 1-1. The Lakers are currently down in the series to the Blazers. Boston, Miami, and the Rockets are all off to a 2-0 lead over the Sixers, the Pacers, and the Thunder. And the Bucks are tied with the Magic. Out of the Mavs and the Clippers and the Lakers and the Blazers, guys, who do you all think takes away the series? I got the Mavs. I, I really was talking to Sam yesterday before the game even started. I, I said that I thought the Mavs were going to take game two. And how many games? How many games? Yeah. Um, so, I think so, it's, so you are you are predicting predicting that the Mavericks are going to beat the Clippers. Yes. This year. You're not saying that. No, it's, no. I, that, I, that, I, it's, I, that they have a better chance of beating, of pulling off the upset compared to the Blazers. Yeah, you I'm, are I'm predicting. I'm, that. I'm I'm completely jumping past that question, and I'm guessing that the Mavs are going to win in six games. I think I almost I almost agree with you. I think if they wouldn't, Porzingis wouldn't have got ejected. They got robbed in the I first think game. They, they got, I think they're up 2-0 right now. But we can't, we can't deny Ka- Kawhi. That's Jameis Winston selling crabs, Rob. This is a very good opportunity for Kawhi. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's a good joke, Clay. That, that is a good one. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was even going to say at that point. Good joke. Um, so, with, with Porzingis getting ejected in the first game, they definitely were at a disadvantage, went down. But I think if it was a 2-0 series right now, they close it out with a 4-1. But since it's being one to one, Kawhi has the opportunity to not really, you know. I think this will be the really good opportunity for him to break out again, show how good he is, and he may take over the series. So I'm saying, um, Clippers beat the Mavs, and I'm I'm betting it goes five games all the way. So you so you're saying the Clippers are gonna win the next three? Yeah, the Clippers win the next three. That's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah I. Me and uh, Finch were talking about this the other day, and I, I asked him whether he thought the Mavs or the the you know out of the Mavs and the Blazers, which one had the better possibility of pulling the upset. He said Mavs. I said Blazers. Uh, I was probably wrong. The Mavs, like I, I the Mavs got hoed the first game, and I'm a Rockets fan. They they got completely screwed that game. They they should be up 2-0, but um, they they have a, they have a pretty good shot to to pull it off. Uh, Portland, I think, is going to give the Lakers a pretty good run for their money, but. I think in the end, the Lakers pull it off. They're more talented, but it's going to be fun to watch. Rockets up 2-0. Let's go. Let's get it. All right, Sam. Why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? All righty. So, this was definitely a uh, pass-heavy offense last year uh, going into year two with Bruce Arians, um, and I don't see anything changing. In case you've been asleep for the last six months, they have signed Robert Gronkowski and Tom Brady. Uh, they also added Tristan Wirfs uh, out of the draft to play right tackle. Uh, this is a team that will revolve around their star receivers once again, but they're also going to try to implement the tight ends a little bit more this year. Probably run a lot more 12 personnel with, with Gronk and O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait all sharing a pretty good amount of time. I think with a team that has this much or has had this much offseason hype, their ADPs are actually pretty low or at good spots, at least in my opinion. Like I said, for a team with this much hype, you can you can pretty much get all of their players. So that's pretty interesting to me. Uh, well, let's just go ahead and jump into the biggest offseason news uh, for this team and probably in the whole league with, with Tom Brady coming over to the Buccaneers. Man, I I really like this fit um, for Brady. I mean, he, he goes – it's a downgrade in offensive line, but it's a pretty good offensive line. It's probably above average. 
and they're good up the middle, which is where Brady has struggled with pressure the most. The tackles, the left tackle is not good, and their rookie right tackle, you know, will have his up and downs this year, but he's shown that he can avoid pressure on the outsides as, as long as he has good protection up the middle. So I think the line will, will play good for him. Uh, like I said, it's a great system for him. They're, they're very pass heavy. They were fourth in pass attempts last year, and they're going to be way up there again this year. Um, they like to throw the ball down the field and be aggressive, uh, which is something Brady has not done recently. He's been much of a uh, much more of a short dink and dunk passer, but I think he's gonna um, I think he's gonna do well in this system. One thing that's worth noting on Brady, as far as a fantasy perspective, is he has kind of had slumps into year slumps the last two or three years. I don't know if it's because Belichick likes to go to a more run heavy. Um, approach toward the end of the year or maybe just the colder weather uh, up there in New England but this is a team that's definitely not going to be run heavy at the end of the year this year and uh, he's playing in warm weather he has no I think the last away game in cold weather is like November 1st in uh, New York so he's he's going to be home or in domes uh, for the end of the year which I think is actually going to help him uh, have a good end of the season it's worth noting that Carson Palmer, in his first year under Bruce Arians, age 36, finished as a top five QB in the same system. So the upside is there. I mean, I know Brady's 43, uh, but I I see him fitting into this offense pretty well. Um, I, I guess the only concern is the arm strength. I mean, does he still have it? Like I said, he's 43. He showed last year that the arm strength is not as, as good as it was, but he did battle what they call a tennis elbow I believe he got in like week nine or week 10 last year and really struggled on the stretch with it. And he says it was a big part of why his arm strength didn't look as good. But uh, early reports out of camp are that he's looking great. Um, I, like I said, I think he's in a great, a great system. And I think he's going to be, I honestly think he has a chance to be a, a top five or six QB this year. I said it last week in last week's episode when I was talking about him as my guy at QB. He's in the exact same situation Peyton was coming into year one in Denver. And, um, I, th- I just think he has a whole lot to prove. Um, there's a lot of questions whether, uh, as far as the, the Patriots dynasty, whether it's about Brady or whether it's about Belichick. And I think both those guys have a lot to prove this year. And I think Brady's looking to uh, torch this league and put up crazy numbers. I think when they get in the red zone, it's going to be they're going to be putting the ball in Brady's hands and he's going to be throwing for a lot of touchdown passes. So I'm really, really excited about what he can do in this uh, Bruce Arian scheme. Roy obviously besides Brady coming over, Gronk was the, was the big headliner. How do you see him fitting in in this tight end uh, group? Well, that tight end group, it's a pretty skilled group of guys over there, man. Uh, they all do a few things pretty different. Uh, I know talking about Tom Brady being able to sling it, Cameron Brake came out the other day and said that he could still sling it around. So I'll be interested to see him work in this offense because, you know, Bruce Arians likes to – likes to take a lot of deep shots downfield. But I'm going to go ahead and start it off with Gronk. You mentioned that 12 personnel. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, Gronkowski and O.J. Howard on the field. And then even if they move to three wide receiver sets, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if you see Gronk bump out to the slot some as well. But you talked about Gronk coming in. It's Brady's go-to guy. I think Gronk's a year off. He's a year fresher. And that's going to benefit him a lot. Uh, maybe has he lost a step? Mm, I don't know. He's getting a little bit older. I think he's still one of the best to ever do it, if not the best to ever do it. So I think he's going to come and fit just right in. Uh, One thing that could worry me with him, and we won't know until we kind of see the season start to play out some, is if they're going to limit his snaps early on. 
Uh, Cameron Brate's also a good tight end. I could see him being used some uh, in between the numbers to help move the chains a little bit. But overall, I think it's going to be Gronk's spot. He had a little bit of a down 2018 uh, with only 47 receptions and I think three TDs, uh, right under 700 yards. I think you're going to see a big bump in his red zone action. I think you're going to see his touchdown numbers go up eight to potential double-digit numbers there. I think you're going to see his yardage go up because you got two guys on the outside are going to open things up for him. Right now, his ADP is 73 in the late sixth round. I think it's a good value if you're going to get him there. Uh, I wouldn't reach too high, but if you really want to fall in love with him, then then get him. But you just need to understand that you may not be getting that guy that was in New England about three years ago. But moving on to O.J. Howard, uh, finished at 30 last year. I'm not very big on him. I think he's going to be used more of a blocking tight end. And maybe if you're in a very deep league, you take a chance. But the guy you want out of that group is Rob Gronkowski. I think I think I played in eight leagues last year, and I'm pretty sure I had O.J. Howard in all of them. And he was one of the biggest busts. Uh, so, yeah, don't get me started on O.J. I'm not – I wouldn't pick that guy if my life depended on it. Um, <laughs> as, far as, no wide, as far as wide receivers here, I mean, this is where uh, – this is the – the meat and potatoes of the team. I think it's interesting. Mike Evans was actually on was outpacing Chris Godwin in targets last year. I mean, their efficiency as far as catching them was different. But, I mean, Godwin's going over Evans in almost every draft I've seen. Is there any debate here as far as who should be the first wide receiver off the board, or is y'all are on Godwin? Um, I think it's I think they got it on they got it right honestly. Like it, looking in Tom Brady's career, like early in his career, um, a guy like. Uh, Randy Moss, who just pushed the ball down the field. That's kind of what Evans was doing. But like I, you said earlier, I don't know if Tom really has the uh, arm strength to really – I mean, I think Evans is still going to ball. i just saying I think Godwin works better over the middle of the field. Not that Evans isn't good on the middle of the field, but Godwin just more uh, – I think he's just going to be, like Sam said earlier, like more successful over the middle, and he's going to see more of the middle of the field, and Tom Brady just likes that better. So I actually have Godwin ranked at six and Evans at ten, so both in the top ten. I like Evans. I think Evans is a good pick on this on on this squad because he reminds me a lot of his play style as a when Gronk was good. I mean, he he can get up there and get the ball. Tom Brady has been well known to throw it exactly where he wants to. I think Mike Evans goes up and gets the ball, and I think we see him outperform Godwin this year. You think you think he's gonna have a better season than Godwin? I think so. I think they're both gonna have great seasons. Yeah. But I take Mike over Godwin. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm an Evan. I mean, um, Godwin fan here. Honestly, I do think they're both. I'm. They're both in my top ten as well. Um, but I do think Godwin fares better. One note I have on the receiver impact from Brady is while I do think Brady's going to have a, a tremendous year, um, he hasn't. While Winston threw 5,100 yards and 33 touchdowns last year, Brady hasn't topped 4,700 yards and or 33 touchdowns since 2015. While Sam, I do completely get your point. I think that he does have a you know Peyton Manning ish year in terms of just elevating his game with the crazy weapons around him compared to what he's had. But um, that is something to note. You know, he he hasn't necessarily produced like he was. Yeah, that's 100% correct. And I, I, I personally think it's a lot to do with them not surrounding him with the right weapons. They've tried. They drafted some receivers high, or at least in the first three rounds, and none of them have hit. Um, they've kind of been after some free agent and, and trade targets, and they haven't been able to land those. But I agree with you. I mean, he's – to me, the talent like it's gone down a little bit the last few years, but I still think he has enough in the tank to support these guys.
Gary, I I uh, was gonna go ahead and agree with you. I was kind of leaning more toward Godwin early on, but I think with what Gronkowski can do between the seams, I think we might see Evans thrive just by an edge. But I think it's a pretty close take between those two, and I'm pretty excited to see what's going to happen in this pass offense. Yeah, to put off you, Roy, I, I do think that on well, – especially on third downs, I think you see Gronk lined up or standing up in the slot, which may push Godwin out outside, which – I mean, he was – he all of his success last year was basically in the slot. I, I think he's a great receiver and can have success outside, but it is interesting that you're going to be taking him out of the middle of the field where he thrives and where Brady's thrived over his career and putting him outside, so – if that does happen, Mike may be, you know, the number one target on this team as far as wide receivers go. I've got a quick question, honestly, uh, around the NFC South in general. Um, who do we think is going to end up finishing first in fantasy points out of the NFC South receiver-wise? I mean, you've got, you've got Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Dark Horse, DJ Moore. DJ Moore, yeah. Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. I mean, like, what do y'all think here? Michael Thomas. Yeah, I got Michael Thomas as well, man. Yeah, it's it's Mike Thomas for me. Um, if if one of the guys in Tampa were to go down, I think another receiver would put up crazy numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's Michael Thomas. His rapport with with Drew Brees is is crazy, and I don't think the targets drop much. So I I'm gonna stick with Thomas. I want to say Thomas, and just and I, you know just to add a little bit, I think there is a chance this year that Julio is gonna have one of his years. And I think I think he has a chance to outscore Michael Thomas. Is he 30 this year? He's going to be 31. Thir- 31. I- I'm I'm not brave enough to do it. I- I'm going to say Michael <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of ride in your wave though. I I mean, was I- it the was it the age? It, no, I knew how old Julio was. Okay. I mean, it's, that's all well, people talk you, about. Why'd you tease us like that and then just yeah. stick with Michael Thomas? Nah, I'll ride with you. We can go against these I just, boys. I, See, I, think I, I got that the same t- feeling. I think yeah, the I touchdown totals is what's going to be the, the game changer. I think he still puts up the same amount of yards that he has been, you know, that 13, 1400. But I think his touchdown totals are about to, like – You think he's going to go up. I think yeah. – I no, I really – I have a feeling they're going to jump into, like – you know, like we'll we'll, we'll talk about we'll what's, talk a, about what's a number? Throw a, throw a number out there, lock we'll, it in. We'll we'll, we'll talk about. We'll get to that point. But that, that's that's a good question, so at least that does kind of point out just how great the wide receivers are in this division. They they're star stud on damn near every team. Really, it is, is it is every team. They got a lot of good wide receivers. So, um, Solis, I know I'm not Solis Pence. I know you were you were high on Ronald Jones this year. Um, you were wanting to take him like in the second round, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Nah, but you you were um, on him early. Um, so I mean, do you think he's the the guy to target in this backfield, or are you liking the rookie Keyshawn Vaughn? Yeah, no. Um, I kind of been on the Ronald Jones hype. Um, COVID kind of wanted me to stay away from jumping on the Keyshawn Vaughn hype too. You know, rookie, not a whole lot of camp. Uh, I mean, you got a veteran coach like Arians. Um, and Ronald Jones really showed some uh, streaky, like, good play last year. Um, he rushed the ball for 172 times for 724 yards, which is an average of 4.2, which isn't great. Um, but honestly, the, their line <laughs> isn't wasn't the, great, the greatest last year either. He put up six touchdowns. Um, the number that surprised me, and I didn't realize it until I looked more into this, but he actually saw 40 targets last year. Uh, caught 31 for 309 yards. Um, that's a pretty good total, especially when you look um, onto that team. Um, Olin Ballaway actually caught 35 receptions last year on 47 targets. So they really used him in that third down role a lot. I actually see that 
kind of decreasing for him, especially um, with Peyton Barber gone. Um, he vacates 100 and 154 carries. So I think Ronald Jones is like the main beneficiary on that. And um, bringing in the rookie Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, I really read some reports uh, in camp this year that he he hasn't really been impressing, impressing, and he's actually fallen behind because he was on the COVID list. So uh, you bring a rookie that had to deal with the COVID list, and they they haven't really seen any flashes in camp. I'm kind of I'm way off the the hype of Vaughn. Yeah, and he just to build on your point, he a lot of these guys go on the COVID list for like a day or two, and then they come right off it. He was on the COVID list for 14 days. Yeah, so he missed a lot of valuable a time. lot a lot of valuable time. Um, so Vaughn, I'm out. I mean, that, that's why I really like Ronald Jones. He's getting picked in like the eighth round. Um, I think he can put up RT RB two numbers. I mean, I'm not calling him RB one, but I can see him getting 230 touches. Um probably breaks a thousand yards this year. And if he can catch 40, 45 passes and put almost 500 yards, I mean, that's, that's good RB numbers for sure. It's RB two numbers, but I will What's bring up. Opinion? I was just, I, I know you're about to ask. Yeah, okay. You already know. Uh, yeah, no, I, was, you already, I, was, no, I just want to know the opinion on Sadie. Go ahead. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead uh, I was actually, I knew you were, you were going to bring him up cause I know you're a fan. Um, they did bring in McCoy, uh, for some veteran presence, but I think McCoy's 36. Um, He's he, not 36. That's pretty high. That was. He's old, but he's yeah, I don't old. think he's 36. Frank Gore may be 36. No, Google that, know. Garrett. Google that. I, I over-exaggerated probably a little bit. Bro. But um, <laughs> I think it was more of like a security blanket um, because of the like whole Vaughn thing. Uh, I don't really see him taking a whole bunch. He really he played okay in Aiden Reed's offense last year. I really don't see him dipping in to uh, Ronald Jones's value. I mean, if anything, he may take a couple carries, way less than Peyton Barber took last year. So, um, I'm not I'm not too big on uh, McCoy this year. I'm interested to see what happens with him because Arians loves his vets, man. He loves them vets. See, you see what he did with Chris Johnson in Arizona. We all I thought he was washed, and he sure had no problem throwing uh, C.J. Huke out there. No, nah, he. <laughs> You're right, Roy. He does like the vets, and I had uh, Rojo last year, as as they call him. And man, it was frustrating watching him flash some some good carries early in the game, and then he'd miss one pass protection or something like that, and they'd immediately take him off the field and put Barber in because they trust him. I mean, Barber got over 150 carries last year, and he averaged 3.1 yards per carry. So I, I just don't know if I can trust Arians. I'll probably just avoid this backfield in general. But Pence, do you think that? Um, Shady takes over on more early down work, or do you think he's more of the trusted pass catcher on third downs that they trust to pick up pass protections and play with Brady? Yeah, that, that's something I, I did uh, have in my notes that I really didn't mention. I think if McCoy was to take anything from um, Ronald Jones, it would be that like third down blocking, pass catching uh, role. But, I mean, Arians actually throws to his running backs more than just on third down. So that's why I still think uh, Ronald Jones gets a good amount of targets but I think McCoy does dip into the reception third down roll a little bit especially with Vaughn being behind and he's there so I, I like that I mean I agree with you on there yeah. I agree with you they they used they threw the ball a lot to to Ronald on the first and second half last year threw a lot of screens to him and he averaged over 10 yards per catch so it was definitely successful yeah but let, let's go ahead and switch it over to the New Orleans Saints um I mean this is like year 16 under Sean Payton, um, 
same same system they've been running the last few years. Really, no wholesale changes. They did make a a change uh, on their offensive line, um, but they replaced uh, was it Bushrod I believe was the guard that they got rid of. But anyways, they they definitely replaced them with the first round pick and Caesar Ruiz. Um, this is if not the best offense line of football. It's a top three or top four unit. Uh, it's probably their strongest point of their team. Uh, offense is definitely still going to revolve around Michael Thomas and Kamara, but they did add uh, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, which I think is a really great addition for for the football team. Maybe not as fantasy-wise, but definitely for the football team. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and start talking about Kamara. He's he's my boy. Um, <laughs> I, I got him in our league. Got him in, it's a keeper league, and this is going to be my last year I get to keep him, so a little upset about that. Um, but he, he battled a lot of injuries last year. Uh, tore his MCL in week six versus the Jaguars and then also battled a high ankle sprain the whole year. So he just he was never himself last year, man. You watch him, he, he looked slower. Uh, the contact balance wasn't there, which is his his calling card, basically. That's his bread and butter. It man. is. <laughs> I mean, um, but, I mean, he still played decently well um, through the injuries, and he his role stayed the same. They, last year they switched from Mark Ingram as the backup to Latavius Murray. And it didn't change Kamara's role at all. Uh, the touchdowns weren't there, but he still had the same number of targets and carries in the red zone and stuff. I'm not worried about it. I just think he just wasn't as good of a player last year while he was bound those injuries. Uh, I mean, he's caught 81 passes exactly all three of his years, which it's completely crazy that he would <laughs> he would do that. But it's that just shows you how high his floor is in PPR leagues. I mean, he's going out and getting you. Yeah, and those two injuries, you really think about it, if they lingered for a running back, those could be possibly like top three hardest injuries to play with. And he had both of them. Yeah, and he had both of them. So, I mean, for him to still even put up the numbers he did last year, I mean, it shows you the type of player that he is. Exactly. The only concern for me, um, well, he has missed time in, in college quite a bit due to injuries. Uh, but he has switched to a plant-based diet, and I haven't been able to find exactly what he's um, or exactly what that means as far as how serious he's taking it, whether he's completely vegan or not. But there have been other players in the league that have done this. I know Aaron Foster did it when he was in Houston. He said it was one of the biggest mistakes of his career. It really chalks up a lot of his soft tissue injuries to it. I know Amari Cooper went through it last year and, and didn't like the way it made him feel, and he thought some of his injuries were – uh, caused by it so that's a little bit of a concern for me but overall uh, he's my RB4 he should be the fourth player off the board and I, I just don't see uh, any arguments I'm not going to draft no vegan at four <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, uh, you're high I draft <laughs> Roy let's talk about Drew Brees man uh, I mean he's had an outstanding career and he he still looks like he, he definitely has something left in the tank um, do you think the addition of Manuel Sanders helps him this year Oh, without a doubt, man. He's going to play a big part. I think Emmanuel is one of the best, probably probably underrated kind of receivers in the league. I know he's been doing it a while, but he's been doing it well everywhere he was, he's was. he been, you know, whether that was Pittsburgh, Denver, San Fran. I thought he did a good job all that time. And, God, Lee, it seems like forever ago he was in Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> no, talking, how you say that. <laughs> God, Lee, man, I can't even believe that I remember that. But, but going into Breeze, man uh, – I still think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. He's put together an outstanding career, Hall of Fame career. Uh, obviously, he's lost some arm strength, and, and you can see that in his game. But he's got one of the best offensive minds in the game as his coach and Sean Payton, and he draws things up to his strength. 
uh, and obviously Breeze looks like he has enough left in the tank where he can get it done. Uh, he lost he lost some games last year to that thumb injury. Uh, I had him on my team, and, and that was tough. But, uh, you know, th- that was one of them things. It's not like he has that frequent injury history, so it's nothing to worry about too much there. Um, he finished as the 21st quarterback, but whenever he was active, he was actually the number two scoring quarterback. So something to remember there. That guy's going to put his numbers up week in and week out. Um, you know, they finished with the fourth most TDs, sixth in passing, ninth in total offense. So you got somebody that you can count on week in and week out there. Uh, his ADP is 81 right now, which is the back end of the seventh round. To me, that's fair. I don't like taking quarterbacks too early. And if you want somebody who's going to give you that consistent scoring week in and week out, uh, Drew Brees is your guy. And especially at the home games, the guy's going to put up numbers. He plays well in the in the Mercedes Dome all the time. So if he's at home, he's great. Uh, he's a he's a one of the best quarterback options you're going to get into this year. So I would look to him if you can get him in that back end of that seventh or if you get backs or receivers early and get him in that sixth, I would – Get that guy on my team if I was you. But one of the things that strikes me the most right now is he likely has the best receiving options he has had since he had Colson, Cooks, and Graham in 2014. Garrett, how do you think that receiving core plays in this year with another year of experience of a Hall of Fame quarterback there? I think with all the talent in New Orleans, you kind of got to factor in more than the receivers on there for the throwing side. I mean, Kamar catches a ton of passes, and then you got factoring Cook too. So, but they added Emmanuel Sanders. So, how is he going to pan out in this? Football wise, I agree with Sam. I, I think this guy's going to have a very good impact for this team. Um, it'll really test Drew Brees' arm strength um, with Emmanuel Sanders because he's kind of their deep threat. But you got Michael Thomas, who is probably going to catch every pass that's thrown to him at least one season in his career. So and and he's going in fantasy. He's he's first round wide receiver. You got to have him. You want him on your team. Um, Emmanuel Sanders. Me and Pence were talking about this earlier. I I see Emmanuel Sanders kind of wide receiver three for your team. Solid flex play. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would say like you know he's has some flex appeal, but I don't I don't know everyday flex starter. But um, I'll um. I'll tell you what I think about Emmanuel Sanders. I like, I like Sanders. And like I said, uh, like Garrett said, I kind of agree on the flex play. I think it's more of a flex appeal, like every once in a while, maybe on some good matchups. Um, when you got a guy like Michael Thomas, who who sees 150-plus targets a year uh, coming from a Hall of Fame quarterback, I mean, he, he has never had under 1,100 yards. He scored nine touchdowns in three of his four, se- four seasons. Um, and his numbers and targets and catches has gone up every single year. So, you know, um, <laughs> 149 catches, just insane. He's a PPR monster. So I, I really don't see um, Sanders hurting uh, Thomas at all. I mean, maybe if anything, it helps his efficiency. And then for Trey Quan Smith, uh, with Sanders coming in, uh, I really don't have any I really don't have any interest in Traquan Smith. I mean, he's he's going to be a good wide receiver three, but like Garrett said earlier, um, with Cook on the line, uh, Cook catching passes, Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Emmanuel Sanders, I think Traquan Smith's role kind of just dissipates. Just dissipates. I don't even think he's a factor. Yeah, real quick on Emmanuel, man. Uh, I think him coming into that offense, he is going to be a stud, in my opinion. I would look out for him. Uh, 
I don't even know what his ADP is going right now, but I, I want that guy on my team. Um, he, he's playing with the best quarterback he's had since Manning. And I would say, I know one of you guys said flex numbers. I think he could put up that as a floor, as good flex numbers. But I think you're talking about a wide receiver, too, with his ceiling potential, man. I would keep an eye out for him. How many targets, I mean, are you expecting he could possibly catch then? I mean, how, how many uh, How many? Yeah, how many targets do you think he's going to get? If you're going to think he's going to put up that kind of numbers, what, where are you at? Well, I know that they only had 72 left over. Yeah, from 72 last year. from all of their other wide receivers other than Michael Thomas. That's why I'm yeah. looking at it. And I mean, I. That's why I'm having, I'm struggling to see if he if he only sees 72 targets in general he ain't making flex play. No, I I gotta imagine he I gotta imagine he had 97 total last year. I gotta imagine he's around the hundred range at least, at okay. least. The okay, well range, I'll tell well then I'll I'll agree with you if he gets 100 100 targets he's definitely a flex play for me especially with that quarterback. I just like I said I have a hard time believing Thomas is gonna drop a bunch in targets. Um, Taysom Hill is going to only get more involved in this awesome offense, so you have to start worrying about him. Uh, Jared Cook, Kamara, like Sam said, gets over 120-something targets. There's just not a whole lot left over, but that was also because their wide receiver core wasn't very good, so why throw it to anybody else? So if Sanders gets 100 targets, I'm on with you. I want him on my team for a flex play. That would be great. I just don't see it happening for me. Yeah, one thing on Emmanuel Sanders, um, Saints number two receiver has finished top 30. Eight of the last 11 years, um, Traquan Smith the last two years did not, but uh, that's just his play to be completely fair with you. Uh, but I, I am with both points, to be honest, and I'll back some of my, my of Pence's points up um, in, in this in this next Jared Cook segment. Overall, you know, he may not be worth the middle ground tight end pick just due to the fact that there's some really high upside around him. I do think he has a lot of upside. I mean, he, f- he finished fifth in 2018, seventh in 2019, I want to say. So, obviously, he, he puts up the numbers. He had nine touchdowns last year and 14 games with 43 receptions and 705 yards. I mean, that, those are astounding numbers. But when you do add Emmanuel Sanders, I think it does take away some from Cook, as well as the uh, the Saints didn't really – they don't throw the ball that much. In 2017, they threw the ball 536 times. 2018, they threw it 519 times. It did spike last year. Uh, to 581 but the reason for that my opinion is one breeze got hurt two for a short amount of time so the offense wasn't as efficient two kamara got hurt so they're throwing the ball more um so overall i i while i do think Cook and can, their defense was terrible last year so exactly and when the, when they're healthy they're they're a pretty decent squad um Jared Cook's just really depend, dependent on TDs, which a lot of tight ends are. And when I, when you do come to that stat, I do think he is one of the better dependent on tight ends just due to the fact of his quarterback. Um, but a crazy stat to me, 21% of his receptions were touchdowns last year. So, I mean, Breeze is throwing him the ball. Another reason, though, I don't like Cook a whole lot, though, is they, they did draft Adam Troutman, 6'5", in the third round uh, last year, and Tommy Stevens, um, who I want to say came out as a quarterback, but they're transitioning to, um, to tight end. So, uh, a lot of factors going against Jared Cook in general. Yeah, I actually saw um, a report today on Twitter about, and I didn't write the guy's name down, but there is a young tight end um, that I heard about that is actually doing really well in camp, and and they're expected to. It's 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 Adam Trotman. It's Adam Trotman. Yeah, they, yeah, they they're really, expecting him to like. They really like the guy, and they would. I I think if they had it their way over the second half of of this year, they'd like to split the, either split the work evenly or maybe even let Trotman kind of be the focal point of the tight end position. So that's a little bit of a worry later in the season if they do go to that. But, 
I mean, coming into the year, Cook, Cook's going to have to be their starter. I mean, they're not going to have enough time to get that guy. Totally. Yeah, to Cook's ADP is 91 right now. Uh, he's my tight end 13. I, I have him a little bit on the back end due to the fact that Adam Chapman should be coming in. Yeah. The, I will, I will the say name that I actually it, that popped up it was Josh Hill. That was yeah. the name that I saw on Twitter. That yeah, he's apparently not young. He's a veteran. Yeah. yeah, he's a vet. He he he. But he did play in a big part of some things last year. They're big. Sean Payton's been big on him for a while, man. Yeah, I, I will say this: if you look around the division, um, the Bucks are pass happy, the Panthers are pass happy, and the Falcons are pass happy. So in their interdivision games, they're going to have to be throwing the ball a lot to, to keep up with those teams. So. And, you know, if you do get Emmanuel Sanders in, in those interdivision games, I think he's going to be – that's going to be the best time to start him because they're going to throw the ball a lot. That's a very good point. Very good point. Okay, cool. Let's go and jump into the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, move over, and move over uh, to Dan Quinn and Dirk Cutter, who are going to keep some consistency um, moving along with Atlanta. I, I expect their offense to get better. Um, they've always had – not always, but in the last few years, they've always had a really good offense. Last year they took it back took a step back early in the season then once they picked it up towards the end. Um, either way, their offense should be a top-10 scoring unit, in my opinion, this year. Um, they're going to be pass-heavy pass heavy once again. Uh, they threw the ball 684 times in 2019, which is highest in the league. Carolina was actually second, and then Tampa Bay was fourth. So out of the top five, there, there's three of those NFC South teams, and then I think the Saints were 13th or 15th. It's one of those guys. One of the big things with the Atlanta Falcons, though, is Todd Gurley, the addition in free agency. I think most of us are excited about Todd Gurley. Not sure how many people and how many of us truly trust him, uh, where he's going at and, and all that, but I think Pence has some good knowledge on him. What do you got on him? Yeah, I mean, I had Gurley in his his uh, his good years, so um, I didn't have him last year, but Todd Gurley last year really wasn't efficient uh, in that Rams offense, and that was due to just an offensive line just not being very good and him battling injuries. Um, he had 223 carries for 857 yards, just, I mean, horrible efficiency. But to note, he, he still scored 12 rushing touchdowns. I mean, that, that's that's pretty good numbers, even with how unefficient he was. Um, he also got targeted 49 times, caught 31 passes and for 207 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I can see these numbers in uh, Atlanta, but I, I can see the more efficiency probably with this better offensive line than the Rams had. There's a lot to be picked up too. I mean, last year, Devontae Freeman was awful. I mean, I mean, awful. 184 carries for 656 yards. That's 3.6 yards average. He scored two rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, just absolutely pitiful. But to note something about that is he got 70 targets last year and caught 59 passes for 410 yards and four touchdowns. Hearing 70 targets, that that got my ears perking a little bit. So then I'm thinking to myself, Gurley, I mean, Gurley excels in the passing game. I've read some reports saying that he, this, is the, he, this is the most he's ever worked out in his entire life. Yes, the knee, I mean, it is a little bit of a worry, but people play through this and and I have, like, I'm getting kind of excited. I'm getting a little more hyped on Todd Gurley this year. If he, if he sees 70 targets and, and gets 230, 240 carries, I mean, I mean. Look and, at how many average, look at how many, how many rushing averages he's had over this. Yeah, season. I mean, it, it's been, he he's still a good running back. <laughs> and what he does best, honestly, is find the red zone. Yes. He scores touchdowns. So, I mean, he catches that many 
targets. He gets that many targets, and he keeps his touchdown totals up like he has been like his whole, pretty much the last three or four years. Uh, I I take a gamble on him. He was my guy last week at running back. Yeah, I I, I do 100% agree with you. I think they're gonna have to limit him a little bit on the early down work in between the 20s. But as far as the passing game goes, he's 100% gonna be the guy that's gonna take over that backfield. And like you said, he's gonna be he'd probably be the focal point in the in the red zone. I mean this. They throw the ball a lot, but they've had trouble scoring recently, so I think they could give really a lot of carries in, in the red zone. Let's go ahead and switch it over to, I mean, one of the best fantasy players in the last decade, Julio Jones. Um, we have also have an emerging, in my opinion, emerging young star in Calvin Ridley. But as far as Julio goes, um, I believe he's been he's finished top six or top seven um, or better in each of the last six years. Um, people always say injuries are a concern for him, but he's only missed, I think, three games since 2013. I mean, he's left some games early, and he's played banged up, but he's typically on the field playing very well. I mean, he's my wide receiver three. It's Like Sully said, it's going to be a very pass-heavy offense. Nothing's changing. I will say that this is one of only six or seven teams, I believe, that has all their offensive line starters, their starting quarterback, and their starting two receivers coming back. And I love that for like like we've talked. We'll talk about it a little bit more um, later in the show about the COVID impacts this year. But that, I'm definitely targeting teams like this that have this much continuity going into the season. Roy, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say here with with Julio, but is age a concern, man? I mean, he's getting he's he's 31 now, so does that concern you at all? No, for me, I I think he's one of the best in the league, man. And I don't I don't see any sign of slowing down, especially where Dirk Cutter there calling the offense and. Uh, as you and Solis have already said, they have one of the top passing offenses in the league, second in plays, first in attempts, fifth in pace. I I don't think the injuries is going to be a big deal. In the last four years, he's missed what you said, three games. Sorry, in the last – let's say the last six years, he's actually only missed four games. So yeah, – it's, it's three or four I games. I can't remember. It, 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 four games in the last six years, man, I don't see – his age causing a problem. I saw a video of him the other day, and he looks – he looks still looks like the same old stud Julio Jones. So, I don't think you're going to run into any issues, man. Finishes the number three receiver last year. Had a pretty decent floor. Uh, had an amazing ceiling. Man, right now, he's going as the fourth receiver taken in the in the early second round. And if he's there, I'm telling you I'm going to jump on him. I, I, I really think his – his receiving yards could go up this year. I want to say I, his touchdowns will go up, man, but I, I don't, there's not been much indication. I think he's really going to end up around that that seven touchdown average, but I'd, I'd take him if he's there in that early second. Yeah, let's just go ahead and talk about it since we were kind of talking about it earlier and I cut us off. Uh, I agree with you, Roy. I mean, I would love to see the touchdowns go up, and if you look at the guy, he should be scoring 15 touchdowns a year. I mean, there's no reason that – he shouldn't be getting four targets a game in the red zone, but it hasn't happened yet. I mean, he had—I don't think he's had a season over ten touchdowns yet in his career. Pence, why do you? No, why are you so hasn't. convinced that Julio's going to score a bunch of touchdowns this year? I really don't have any like stats or anything to back it up. I mean, you got a just, guy just, that's just like, feeling. yeah. I mean, they struggled in the red zone together. I mean, how? You know how? I mean, the offense is. This is going to be the best offense that they've had. They are possibly ever with the ad. over over Shanahan's offense. Well, I mean, when he I, won MVP, when when Ryan did, 
I mean, honestly, <laughs> honest to God, it, like I'm not even saying like it's not possible. It's possible yeah. that it, he could. I mean, I this offense is is impressive. Yeah, I mean, with the addition to Ridley and Julio and Todd Gurley and Hayden Hurst, I mean, I can see I can see Julio probably getting like back to his like 12 touchdown, 13 touchdown type season. And if he keeps up the same amount of targets and catches he get, 13, 14 touchdowns is way up there in the rank. I agree with you in the sense that losing Hooper, I could see that benefit Julio Jones a great percentage in the red zone. See, my thing is I want to go with you there, Pinks. I got that gut feeling too, man. But they've thrown to the tight ends in the red zone. They did it back when they had Gonzalez, when Cutter was the OC before. I just – Numbers don't lie, man, and, and he hadn't had a touchdown year. He hadn't had a season with over 10 touchdowns. It's hard for me to say what's going to be that difference this year. Yeah, I've got a, a little tidbit um, before we tra- transition over to maybe Calvin Ridley. If you had to pick Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones in the draft, who are you drafting? And I'm saying this in reference to the ADP, which Julio is usually at, is right now at 13. Calvin Ridley's at 39. Um you know, one you get more valuable maybe at a later round. I mean, o- overall, Julio is definitely the better receiver. But uh, I mean, who, who would y'all take? I mean, I, I'm Julio. Gonna, see, I'm gonna see. I'm, I think running backs are more important. So I'm for value wise. I mean, give me Ridley and let me take my uh, my RB one in the first round, that's preferably. Ex- that's exactly where I'm at. What do you got? I I think it's it's similar to the Mari Cooper Gallup conversation. Uh, the discrepancy is not as big, but I mean, I. I love Ridley. I think he's he's one of the biggest – I think everyone this year is on Ridley. I mean, I don't know anyone that doesn't like Ridley this year. But stars win you leagues, and Julio Jones is a star. So, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and take him in the second round and not think twice about it, even though I think Ridley is going to have a great year. Let's, let's go ahead and talk about Ridley. I mean, last year he was on pace for 115 targets, which was about seven per game. He did miss the last three games, but he was still putting up pretty good pace. Uh, I think the biggest news is they lose Hooper this this off season, which he averaged uh, seven point five targets per game, and then they did trade Sanu midway through the year last year, and he was averaging six targets per game. So there's a lot of targets that are available, um, especially over the middle of the field, which is where Ridley will spend some time in the slot this year. Roy, I mean, do you, do you think that Ridley's a good bet to soak up quite a few of those targets? Or I mean, I know we've talked about Russell Cage a little bit too. Do you think he may take over some of those Sanu targets? Man, actually hitting on that point you were just talking about, Sam, uh, doing a little research there with Sanu and, and Hooper gone, 258 unaccounted for targets. It's the most in the league, man. Yep. So crazy. I'm – it's crazy. I'm with you, man, on the Ridley train because I think he finished 27 last year, missed those three games. Man, I, and I just saw a report that says that he's been working on his legs, uh, focusing more on squat. Really wants to try to hit that thousand yard mark this year. I see a I, possible. I, I, I saw that report too. I don't know what the hell that means. He's going to squat, I, so he's going to put up a thousand yards. I don't know, I don't know where that where that goes in hand in hand. Maybe it's a it's a tackle breaking thing. I guess that's the only thing I can think is stronger legs. He's, he's breaking more tackles because I was like, man, we're doing squats for yards or what's going on here, baby? But, uh, he was on pace for a thousand yards and eight touchdowns last year, so I, I believe yeah. he can do it this year. Oh yeah. Well, he's got, and, that, and that's my next part too. I was going to talk to you about Sam. Is is uh, he he had ten his rookie year, eight his sophomore year when when that was missing three games. Does he hit that double digit TD mark again in that thousand yard mark this year? 
I do, man. I, I'm glad you noticed that because that's one of the biggest things that jumped off the page for me. And the, the 10 is first year was on 93 targets. Um, like you said, seven last year and only 13 games. Eight. Uh, was it eight? I thought it was seven. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. So I, I, I actually think he's a much better bet to finish uh, or to score more touchdowns this year than Julio does. Um, I, I don't know why. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Julio definitely looks like the better red zone option, but for whatever reason, um, Calvin Ridley has continued what he did Alabama, and he's just a touchdown scoring machine, man. Hey, yeah, I, I, man, he is, and and obviously that Matt Ryan has a Matty Ice. He just got that connection with him that that he's gonna get it to Ridley, and Ridley's gonna score. But my next thing on that man on that receiving core, who do you think ends up carving out that number three role? I know Russell Cage was there. Uh, to kind of step in for Sanu, and I really like his athleticism. But they also signed in Laquan Treadwell. So who do you see kind of being that wide receiver number three there? Yeah, I haven't heard Laquan Treadwell's name in quite a while, but it's, it's good to hear from him <laughs> oh, again. Man. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna trash talk Laquan. I, I liked him a lot going to college, and he just hasn't panned out for whatever reason. But uh, Russell Cage is is the guy. He he did it last year. He's actually pretty good for him last year. He he did fill in. First Sanu and filled in pretty well in that role. Um, he was averaging around five, six targets a game the last like five games of the year while Ridley was out. So I, I'm not interested in drafting any of these guys or, or, or you know Russell Cage or Laquan Treadwell. But if there's an injury, a Russell Cage is definitely going to be an interesting waiver wire pickup. And I think in DFS early on, I think he's a real sneaky cheap play, uh, especially in some of these high scoring matchups they're going to get in. Yeah, man, I agree. I, I, I like uh, his ability, especially if there's an injury opening there. Hey, who, moving over to that tight end position, man, I really, really, I really like that addition of Hayden Hurst. I know Pence has been high on him. I know you've kind of said something on him. Man, he looked like he was just buried on that Baltimore dead chart, and now he gets a chance to be that tight end one. I'm really excited to see what he could do. Um what what do you think his outlook's going to look like, man? Yeah, Roy, um, he, he was buried on that depth chart in Baltimore. He was the first-round pick. Um, during Actually, he was picked before Lamar Jackson. But then in the third round, they picked Mark Andrews, and Hayden Hurst broke his foot early on, and Mark Andrews just took over and really never gave Hayden Hurst a, a chance to win that job, if we're being honest. Um, I, I do think he's a very talented guy. Uh, we saw last year uh, Hooper – the same exact system was on pace for 120 targets. So that's the ceiling. It's pretty clear. Um, I will say I'm, I've tried to stay down on him a little bit more this year because in this crazy off season, I don't think it's just going to be a clear transition where he's going to automatically step into that role and, and, and be the, the player that Hooper was from day one. But if you just look at the situation he's in, it's hard to be down on the guy. Yeah, he, I mean, Sam's been trying. He's I'm been trying, trying. He's been trying but, to stay down on him, but I, I just I'm in his ear every day about this guy. I mean, the targets are there. Um, it's it is going to take a while for him to learn all of these you know run blocking schemes and stuff. Tight ends one of the hardest positions to to pick up and, and go to a different team and scheme. So I think he will have a little bit trouble there, but hopefully they can just get him involved. Uh, early with just running routes and not worrying about those run concepts as much and try to work that in a little bit later in the season. Um, I mean, they, they gave up a second-round pick for him, so obviously they believe in the talent and they, they got to try to make this thing work. So uh, he's my tight end seven. Um, I don't want to 
aggressively reach for him because I am just a little bit concerned um, about his his fit as far as how quickly he can pick up uh, the playbook and, and get on sync with with Matt Ryan. But man, when you get into seventh eighth round, uh, there's he's going to be probably the best option at tight he's end. He's going to be popping out at you, man. He is. Um, I mean, he's going around guys like Hunter Hendry, Gronk, Higby. Um, I kind of like him in that range. Um, I don't know. I mean, we we talked about Gronk earlier. Do y'all like Gronk or Hurst better? I like Hurst better this year. To be completely fair with Same. you, yeah. Hurst. I've already said my piece. <laughs> that that that's really tough, man. I I think it's close, but godly man, with the limit in that in in that, but the potential limit in snaps, at least early on in that in that Tampa Bay group, I, I think I'm going to lean more toward Hurst as well. Yeah, I I can definitely see it. So we, we've talked about all the skilled position players, but we haven't talked about what makes this offense go. It's Matt Ryan. I mean, what do you, there's he's a stud, but let's let's talk about him a little bit. Yeah, let's jump into Matt Ryan. All right, right now his ADP is 74. He's personally my QB eight. Um, I, I move him all the time, and why the reason he's eight is just because I have some really good trust in some of the QBs ahead of him, and I'm just, I'm just fan favorites here. But I Matt Ryan's steady. You cannot argue that fact. Um, <clears throat> 2016, he was quarterback two. In fantasy, 2017, quarterback 15. Quarterback 18, quarterback 2. I mean, 2018, quarterback 2. 2019, quarterback 11. If you believe in patterns, he's going to be quarterback 2 this year. Now, <laughs> I may not necessarily believe that, but if you look at patterns, I mean, it's looking like it. Last year, he played 15 games, um, 4,466 4, yards, 26 touchdowns. Um, 7.3 yards per attempt, though, is his lowest since 2013. Um, while with that being said, this is uh, last year he threw the ball 616 times, which is the highest passing attempt since 2015 for Matt Ryan. Um, and we'll jump back into what I mentioned earlier with the OC, with the OC uh, Dirk Cutter, and, and pretty much the coaching staff in general. 2013 and 14, Cutter was Matt Ryan's coach or OC, where he where he threw the ball 651 and 626 times, which were some of the highest. Um, and one thing to note in Dirk Cutter's um, offense. Um, the last four years, all quarterbacks finished in top seven in quarterback rating. So efficiency is good with Dirk Cutter and Matt Ryan. Um, I mean, Matt Ryan's just consistent, as as I mentioned. Um, the biggest downfall to Matt Ryan is he doesn't provide a much on the ground game. So, I mean, it, that's why he's not above really the QB5 range because all of the guys up there provide a lot on the ground game. Um, I kind of call Matt Ryan, like, Matt Ryan like a Honda Civic. He's going to get you where you got to go. Not amazing, but he, he never fails you. or Not not necessarily never, but not too often. Um, I like Matt Ryan. Doesn't turn on a lot of heads when they drive by. No. Let's, not, let's not. give him like a, like a Chevy Silverado yeah. or something reliable. I mean, I, I, get, I get it. Made with real vortex. Maybe a real tornado. The Civic is reliable, but Matt Ryan, I mean, he's I think he's a little he's bit more than a flash. Civic. I mean, come Fair on. Point. Fair point. <laughs> Matty Ice is his nickname. At Matty least. Ice. Ice, man, he's consistent every year and now. No, he is. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Sure. I do think um, coming into Hayden Hurst and some of the receivers, um, there's plenty of opportunity this year. Like I said, they threw the ball the most in the league last year, 684 times, and there's no reason they don't repeat that. Um, no. Yeah, the the defense is terrible once again. Yeah. So they, they're not going to be able to rely on that. And, I mean, even if you're optimistic about Gurley, they're not going to be able to run the ball a lot with his knees. So it's, it's going to be a pass-heavy offense again. Cool. Let's go on and jump on into the Carolina Panthers. Uh, biggest thing here is there's a lot of variables in this offense. Uh, they have a new coach in Matt Rule um, and a new OC, offensive coordinator in Joe Brady. But real quick on Matt Rule, uh, 11 years as a college play caller, 
Um, so he played. He did three years at Baylor's head coach, four years at Temple. Um, he's very run heavy in college, so that will I think impact the Carolina Panthers' offense in general a little bit. With that being said, some of their pass catchers like they're gonna have to throw the ball. Um, a couple things on him also. Robbie Anderson has a close tie to Matt Rule from the Temple days, 2013 and 2015. Um, Matt Rule actually fought to get Anderson reinstated at Temple, so there's a close connection there. Uh, while, one thing on Rule though is that while he did turn bad college teams into legitimate offenses with Temple and Baylor. He didn't do it immediately. It took him a year or two with each. So we should see an uptick in offensive production, uh, no doubt. But it may take a year or two uh, to really get this offense going. And then they bring in Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, who has never been a full offensive coordinator at any level, um, primarily a passing game coordinator and receiver coach at LSU, um, in which obviously they did amazing. And he, def- and he did spend uh, time under Sean Payton. So he's got some really good ties. Um, and he is tied to uh, Teddy Bridgewater, their new quarterback. Overall, the Carolina Panthers did up their offense uh, with bringing new coaches in addition to Robbie Anderson as well, which I think will stretch the field. Yeah, to, you're 100% right about Joe Brady not being – he wasn't technically the offensive coordinator at LSU. They didn't call him the offensive coordinator, but he 100% was their off- – he was calling all their plays. And another uh, connection is Matt Rule – desperately wanted DJ Moore out of high school and was recruiting him hard to Temple. He ended up going to Maryland, but that's kind of another cool tie uh, to, to the receiving core. Yeah, that's a really good stat, Sam. Cool. Well, let's jump into the quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think this guy has had a fair shake when it comes to the NFL League. Playing just around 32 game or 34 games is uh, how many games he's actually played in. He missed the last three seasons – or last two seasons before 2019 with an injury – um, and then he came out in 2019 for five games and actually did pretty well out there. Um, as everybody was saying, he was with Joe Brady there for a little bit as backup in New Orleans. Got to work with him, got to become pretty personable with him. The other thing about Teddy Bridgewater is he's a really good leader. There's a, there's a story out there talking about how he was using Madden to pick up on, on some of the play schemes that the Carolina Panthers are going to run to learn the playbook. And he was teaching Will Greer and the other backup quarterback out there. And he's really getting involved with his team early. I think that's kind of hard to do with the circumstances that are surrounding the league right now with COVID. I mean, we talked about Emmanuel Sanders as well. He, you know, first year on the team, these guys aren't getting a fair shake with coming to a new team. Puts a lot of pressure on him. i I don't think he's going to turn a lot of heads in his first season, but he does have a lot of weapons to throw to and kind of exercise his legs a little bit. He's not he's not necessarily the fastest quarterback, but he is a dual threat. All right. Yeah, Garrett, man, there, there's some things that uh, I really like in Bridgewater myself. Um, it was looking at Carolina last year. They finished second in pass. I think that had a lot to do with them finishing 5-11, and 11, man. But I really do like the hire of Brady and uh, Matt Rule. Matt Rule. Though they were kind of in the shotgun, they were really trying to run it down and throw it a little bit last year. And um, Brady, uh, Joe Brady, when I say Brady, I'm thinking Tom Brady. So Joe Brady uh, spread him out over there at LSU a little bit, which should be familiar for Teddy Bridgewater because, as you said, Brady was there, uh, the Saints OC in 2018, Bridgewater. They ran the same offense. Uh, same style of offense the last couple of years, been running for forever. So I think Bridgewater is going to fit in right there. Um, you know, don't don't call me crazy and don't get too tied up in this. But one thing when I'm watching Teddy Bridgewater's highlights from last year, 
he kind of reminds me of Drew Brees in his game, man. And I'm not calling him Drew Brees, but I'm saying he reminds me of Drew Brees. He sat there for two years under him. He learned a little bit. I think they're going to try to keep it simple for for Bridgewater. But but his style, his composure, everything that I kind of see of what he did last year, it kind of reminds me of Brees. And I think he finished 5-0, and if I'm correct, as a starter last year. Does that sound yeah, right? He did. Yeah, he, he, he definitely did. did. He did. Do you, do you think yeah. maybe he looks like Drew Brees because he was just wearing the same uniform? Or do you think no. it was because of style of play? Uh, <laughs> well, to, no. to stack on and top of – And they're the same scheme as well. So no, no. I, to stack on top of what Rory was saying, uh, Teddy actually came out and said that he tried to mimic Brees last season. He tried to follow in Brees' footsteps on how he played. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. I mean – I I can try to follow what LeBron does on the basketball court. Doesn't mean I'm going to look like. Well, no. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm and I'm not and I'm not bashing on you. No, really. no, no, I, no. I'm really not. I'm just. I'm, I was. I was going. On, I was going at Garrett right there. No, I'm, I'm not, not bashing him, at you. I'm not calling. Him, <laughs> I'm not calling him Drew Brees. Let's not. Let's let's not get it confused. But if you like, I'm watching him step up in the pocket on some plays, and I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, he kind of looks like Drew Brees stepping up in the pocket, like the same the same look. If you look at him, it, it kind of looks similar. Now, can he throw the ball like Breeze? Uh, not so much, you know. <laughs> they they tried to get him on a lot of short passes, which it obviously helps when you have Michael Thomas on your team. And uh, I saw some really good screens. So, you know, Sean Payton called a good offense for Bridgewater last year. You know, he did throw some some pretty nice deep balls. And, and if we really look at the receiving court, I don't think he's having that big of a drop-off from his no. receiving core going to Carolina than what he had in um, He's New improving. Orleans. Yeah. yeah I mean, if we're, if we're on, besides, besides you don't have a Michael Thomas. Yeah. Besides you don't have a Michael no. Thomas. G- DJ Moore is great. Don't get me wrong, but he's not Michael Thomas. But yeah, overall, he's improving. Yeah. So in the end, man, um, this is what I would say. It, as far as Bridgewater and maybe very deep leagues or two quarterback leagues, you may want to look at them. I think he's going to have a pretty high floor with Brady calling that offense, but don't get too carried away in his ceiling uh, because I don't think he's going to, I don't think it's going to run through him, you know? No, and I agree with you, but I think this, this kind of sheds a bright spotlight on all their position players with, you know, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robert, Robbie Anderson, and Ian Thomas. Teddy doesn't decrease their value at all. I mean, he could come out and ball out and increase all of their value immensely. But yeah, I mean, he he doesn't decrease it from from what they had last year with Kyle Allen and stuff. But yeah. it, I mean, he's he, is he a good enough quarterback that he's going to lead all these guys to to better seasons? I I do have I do have questions about that. That's my only, that's my only concern with Bridgewater. Yeah, I it's mean, a it, whole different offense too. I mean, yeah, we, we can't even base what they went off last year that much because you're. Looking it it at is a whole different like, offense. Well, but I don't if, know if, if you look. Kyle Allen was a first year quarterback as well. Yeah, but no, it's, it's a completely different coaching staff. I mean, oh, they're completely I mean, gutted their coaching staff. Yeah. So the system is completely different. But I mean, if you look at their team, the defense they'll probably be a little bit better against the the run, but they're not a good defense at all. Their their passing defense is atrocious. Um, they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. They're probably going to have to get the ball out quick like they did last year because, A, Brady kind of did that a lot at LSU, but their offensive line is not very good either. So I think if you want to keep Bridgewater protected and keep him upright, I think a lot of these short passes and just getting the ball out in DJ Moore's hands and McCaffrey hands and yeah. Curtis Samuel hands, I think that's the way they're going to have to run their offense yeah. again this year. And I'll bring, I'll bring more up of that in a second.
Well, well, I, I agree with you guys 100%. But we all know when it comes down to it, that offense goes through run CMC. So what are we looking at when we're talking about Christian McCaffrey here? I mean, there's not a whole, whole lot to say. Number Christian one overall. McCaffrey, I mean, I've got him number one in our league as my keeper for the for the second year, and I'm pretty excited. I mean, let's be honest, a bad year for Christian McCaffrey is 2,000 yards from scrimmage. <laughs> That's a bad year. Yeah, I, yeah. He was a, I, don't, I can't remember who the last player was, but he was the first guy in a while to put up 1,000 uh, rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards last year. He's got over 100 passes in two straight years. I mean, yeah, 147 targets yeah, last year. I mean, you, <laughs> that shouldn't go down. I mean, you saw how much they threw the ball to Clyde last year at LSU. Yeah, that's They're, why. McCaffrey's going to be in the same role. McCaffrey number one overall. There shouldn't be a question. There should not be a question. I had to miss the game. Just, just pick the guy. Just pick the guy. Yeah, yeah. A, a more a more topic-wise where we can talk about some stuff. The receiving core. I think uh, I, I'm slowly, or not slowly, quickly getting hyped on the receiving core more and more as I talk to these guys around me. Uh, DJ Moore leading that. You got Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson. Pence, what do you got on DJ Moore? I know you're a big fan, man. Yeah, DJ Moore is a guy I'm keeping my eye on this year. Um Dude, he's, he's a freak athlete, honestly. Um, he's fun to watch. He's explosive. Uh, he didn't even play every game last year, and he still saw 135 targets with Kyle Allen as his quarterback. He caught 87 receptions for 1,175 yards as a sophomore season. <laughs> I mean, that's impressive. I mean, that's that's hard to do with a bad quarterback. He, he's just a really talented guy. He, his touchdown total was low last year. He only had four touchdowns. Uh, it is a little tougher to see a bunch of touchdowns with a bad QB and McCaffrey just eating everything. Um, but I actually have him ranked as my wide receiver nine this year. So I, I'm probably higher on him than most people in this league. But I expect him to see 135, 140 targets. Uh, he's the number one receiver on the team. And like Sam said earlier, I mean, DJ Moore, I mean, kind of a little... Um, what's the the guy that's a Jamar Chase type, like athlete type guy? He he reminds me of uh, Steve Smith. Yes, yes. Second yeah. was Carolina. He's just a bully. Yeah, know? if you go if you go to like, I can see that too. I mean, he he's so good after the catch. Yes, he he's so good with the ball in his hands. And that's that's how Steve was. He was yeah. He was like a running back after the catch. I see a lot of that in DJ Moore. Played yeah. bigger, played bigger than they actually were. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah, he does. Here. He does do that. Agreed. And the Panthers threw the second most passes in the league last year. I know that's mentioned like twice now. Um, and w- bringing in Joe Brady and Matt Rule, Matt Rule was, was a kind of a run first college coach. But Matt, I mean, Joe Brady loves throwing the ball. So we could see that same number repeat to be completely fair with you. Yeah. And I, I even though Rule's the head coach, I think he's going to be more of the game manager. He's going to be, you know, handling practices and be more of the general manager and letting his his offensive and defensive coordinators, you know, really handling uh, their side of the field. So I think this is Joe Brady's offense. I don't yeah. think Rule has that big of a hand in it. Rule sees that. I mean, he saw what he did in LSU. He knew that he was under Sean Payton. He knows that he's got what he needs to be to be the guy. But it's that's an exciting young coaching staff. I know it doesn't oh, have I mean, much I, to do I, with I, fantasy, but Matt Rule has – I'm not a Carolina turned, fan, but I agree with he you. He turned around Temple and Baylor. I mean, Baylor, they got basically the death penalty – Turned around quick, so I mean he's he knows what he's doing. It it was so quick, it was unbelievable for Baylor. Honestly, jumping into the rest of the receiving core though, I mean DJ Moore filthy. Um, they also they picked up Robbie Anderson this year, and then they have Curtis Samuel. They also have Curtis Samuel returning. Um, while in my opinion, I think Robbie Anderson is gonna be looked at in a lot of leagues because of his name. So if you if you just see Robbie Anderson, who was the number one in the Jets, go into a new team, a lot of people are gonna expect him to be. Uh, a number two number possibly higher 
but a lot of people forget about Curtis Samuel, and I know Sam here has some good tidbits on him, and I think a couple of those guys are pretty high on him. Sam, what do you got on him? Yeah, he, he's just a really talented guy uh, coming out of Ohio State. And I just have this gut feeling this year that Brady finally figures out how to unleash Samuel's talent. Um, I don't think the previous coaches really knew how to use him. They used him more as a uh, a deep threat guy and a decoy. And he actually did pretty well in that uh, position last year. I mean, he got 105 targets. And if it wasn't for his terrible core QB play, he would have been a damn good receiver last year. Uh, I mean, he only caught like 50% of his passes, but he had one of the highest separation uh, marks in the league while also having to deal with the highest incompletion rate coming his way. I mean, he had a lot of passes that were just completely uncatchable. Uh, I don't think Bridgewater's a savior, but I think he's going to be way more accurate than Kyle Allen. I think the biggest thing, though, for me that gets me excited is I think Robbie Anderson's addition, uh, I think – Robbie takes over Curtis's role last year where he's the deep threat and he's the decoy. And I think they use Curtis way more around the line of scrimmage and over the middle where Bridgewater really likes to to throw the ball. Uh, and I just really think Brady knows how to get this guy going. I mean, like I said, the targets were pretty consistent last year. He got 105 uh, over the whole year, but they were pretty solid week in, week out. And he's been a very good uh, touchdown producer over his early career. I think he only had like 50 catches his first year, but scored five times. And then on 54 catches last year, he put up six touchdowns. So those are pretty good numbers, uh, especially if he can up those uh, catches this year. I will say one more thing. They use him a little bit in the uh, in the rushing offense. I think that increases this year. And if McCaffrey goes down, I think he gets six to eight carries a game, 100%. I think he may be one of their primary ball carriers if McCaffrey goes down. Yeah, I, I I had made a point in here too about um, him carrying the ball. He he is that gadgety type, uh, hand a bunch of sweeps to see what he can do. I mean, he can easily, like I said, if McCaffrey somehow even catches an injury, you could see Curtis doing some of these routes out of the backfield as a runner and and getting plenty of carries. He is that type of player. He is explosive. Uh, I'm kind I'm kind of with you. I mean, he, but like upside. I mean, he's he's a flex play. I mean, can he get into wide receiver two numbers if his efficiency goes up? Because like I said, it was bad. I mean, it was fifty percent. You're right. Uh, Bridgewater is an upgrade to um, Kyle Allen. So, I mean, the efficiency could go up. Um, you I, could, I just don't. I don't take a lot of what he did last year for granted. It just. I I think the role is completely different this year, and that's what has me most excited. I just. I'm trusting his talent and Joe Brady's offensive mind, and they. He spoke very highly of them this offseason, saying he has to get them involved. And I just I have a feeling that he does it. I, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I mean you're getting a guy like I mean, you can pick him at wide receiver forty two or something. Yeah. That's your fifth wide receiver. Yeah. His ADP I mean, is one sixty six. Yeah, I mean you're getting him for free. Yeah. I think he's should be in the conversation with the the Anthony Millers, the uh Golden Tates, th- those type of guys that you can put him on your bench early, and he could really pop off. I, I think he's going to be a really solid PPR player this year. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And, and I'll kind of transition over to the wide receiver three in Robbie Anderson. And I'll just add something small about it. Um, I'm kind of with Sam. What Robbie Anderson does best is, is get vertical. I mean, he's good up in the air. He's fast. Bridgewater doesn't excel on that. Um, Joe Brady did throw the ball downfield a pretty decent amount. At LSU, uh, he did like to push the ball. 
but he also had Joe Burrow as his quarterback. I just don't see Bridgewater ripping the outside of the field with Curtis Samuel having a, a pretty decent role last year and DJ Moore and McCaffrey. And you got to start looking at this tight end. Ian Thomas is a pretty talented guy. I mean, that's a lot of mouths to feed when you get to it. And I think Sam said, like Sam hit it right on the head. Robbie Anderson's going to be more of like a, de- a decoy threat, no matter if he does have that connection with the head coach or, I mean, you're going to get the ball into the, the people that can do the most with it. But I mean, he, he's going to catch, he'll, he'll catch 50, 60 passes this year. Yeah, speaking on the question you asked me earlier about what's Curtis Samuel's ceiling, I don't really know, but uh, I think a lot of people are thinking Ian Thomas is going to come in here and have a huge role, and I'm not, I'm not seeing it. I'll just say that I don't, I don't know what his ceiling is. I will say Greg Olson last year had 82 targets, while Thomas had 30. So, I mean, if you give Ian Thomas 80 to 90 targets, he's probably going to be a pretty good uh, tight end for you. He's an athletic tight end. He tested very well at the combine, but. I just think this offense revolves. A McCaffrey will probably lead the team in targets again this year, with him, you know, him and DJ Moore fighting for that. Uh, but they're going to have to give Curtis Samuel involved. They are going to have to give some targets to Robbie Anderson. I just don't see what's left for Ian Thomas at the end of the day. Um, and maybe I'm just remembering too much of LSU's offense last year because I, I did watch them a lot. They just they had a pretty good tight end. They just didn't use them that much. And I I think Brady's spread it just doesn't really involve the tight end much, kind of like uh, uh, Cliff Kingberry's uh, offense as well. Uh, I just see a lot of established players around him that uh, it's going to be hard to take away from their targets. I, th- I think he's a fine option just because he's young and he does have that number one role uh, as far as the tight ends in Carolina. But I like other players around him like Irv Smith, uh, Gasecki, and even uh, Jack Doyle this year who I think is a sleeper. I'd rather take those three guys over him. Sam, just kind of – Going off what you said there, man, I saw a report saying that uh, Ian Thomas has had kind of a quiet camp, which kind of goes back to backtracking that receiver. I agree with you guys on Robbie. I saw quite a bit of the bunch sets, too, at LSU, and it, it really kind of intrigues me on what kind of role they can get going for Samuel because I think he's going in mid-14 rounds. He's a late-round dart throw. But I think the upside can be there, man. I think if they can get him the ball, and Brady's came out and said he could be critical to their success, I think they're going to try to find ways to get that guy the ball, man. And if they can get him the type of rushing attempts, you know, things they do with Tyreek and stuff, I'll be really interested to see where that guy can can end up for us in a wide receiver, wide receiver production as far as the fantasy land. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he could very easily put up two or three hundred yards on the ground if McCaffrey plays the whole year. I think they're going to see him. Uh, you're going to see him use him a lot on reverses, and I think they're going to get him involved a lot in the screen game. So, I don't know. I've this is a guy that I've kind of zeroed in on. Him and Anthony Miller are kind of my favorite late round uh, wide receiver targets right now. Speaking of the tight end zone, in general, I'm going to kind of follow up on my receiver question from earlier. Not necessarily who's going to be the top tight end in in the NFC South fantasy wise. But who do you guys who who would you want to take at their current ADP and where you see them valued at in the, in this draft? Like overall tight ends in the league? Yeah, you know, I mean you got Gronk, Ian Thomas, Hayden Hurst, in, in, in this division, in, in the NFC South, in, in this South. division, at their current ADPs, who do you feel most comfortable taking? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm going to stay on the Hurst game. I mean, I, I'm Hayden Hurst all the way. I mean, I may even reach for the guy because I think that his ceiling is that high. So. I mean, I, I have to go with, I think, Hurst is your best option. O.J. Howard. 
<laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, uh, I, I'll, I'll flow into mine. Um, I'm not as high on Gronk as everybody else is. Um, I like Jared Cook this year a lot, especially for an older Breeze who is coming off an injury, not saying that it's going to inhibit him any any bad way, but it could have a lasting effect on it. And I, I, I say Jared Cook for me. I'm actually, uh, in this list, I'm kind of a Gronk fan. And the reason I say that is I don't think Hayden Hurst ends up doing better overall, but where he's climbing the boards at, Gronk isn't. So I think you can see a consistent play with Gronk in areas. While his ceiling may not be as high, I think his floor is just fine. Yeah, I, I guess for me, I, I do like Hayden Hurst, but for me this year, I, I believe my strategy going in, going in is I, I do I am going to target one of those elite tight ends, but if I don't get the top five, ending at Waller I'm probably just going to wait to like the 10th or 11th round so if Gronk is there yeah I'll take him I, I think he'll end up getting picked higher in most leagues just because his name is Gronkowski which is fine with me so um I don't see any of these guys as elite options coming into the year um it, like I said if Gronk's there in the 10th round I'd take him if not I'll, let me just wait and take uh two guys like Ian Thomas and Irv Smith or you know Noah Fan or Gesicki one of the just Chris take Herndon. take two or three of those guys and just hope hope one pops you know uh kind of looking at it uh, it looks like Hurst right now is going around later almost at the exact same position in the uh, late 7th as Gronk's going in the late 6th i know i said Hurst to finish better earlier but man i i, I think God, man, it, it, it's hard for me to kind of contradict myself there, but I think if Gronk's there in the late sixth, early seventh, I'll get him, but I'm not going to reach for him. I, I think I would go Gronk at his ADP, but I'm not going to reach. Like you said, it, it, if somebody wants to draft him earlier, I'm going to let that be somebody else's problem. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, um, guys, we're, we're dealing with a very crazy year this year and that doesn't exclude fantasy football. So let's just talk about, what impacts COVID is going to have on fantasy this year? Kind of some things that us as a league have talked about, what changes we're looking into, and maybe what our, what different draft strategy we may have going into the year uh, with training camp being limited um, and these guys just not having much time to work together. Yeah, I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's impacting, honestly, so many different facets of, of NFL fantasy this year. Um, one thing with our league, uh, as the commission over here, we've discussed it. And we're actually slight brag. We're flex, but okay. Flexing. The Honda Civic Flex. Listen to me. <laughs> we're actually going to add in two COVID IR spots. So we already have one IR spot. We're going to add in two. We made the decision to go two from three. Just or we were looking at two or three, but we're sticking with two. Uh, we believe that it's needed, um, and we're going to stick to strict guidelines as to when and when you can't use that. But um, we're adding two in. So if, if you're in some fantasy football leagues this year and you guys haven't talked about it, I think it's something you should at least discuss before you draft. Yeah, I think you at least have to have one going into the year. I think two is a magic number. Um, but, yeah, try to make sure your league players aren't um, taking advantage abusing. of those spots and abusing them and, you know, putting a guy that has an ankle sprain on there in a COVID spot because that's not going to be very helpful. But, yeah, I think two is a magic number and then, just kind of get into the season and see how it's going. Maybe you add one or take one away, but I think two is the, the right number going into the year. Yeah, other than that, I mean, you've just seen a couple different players out of the league, you know, back out, so not a whole lot more into it. Yeah, I mean, we, we've mentioned it plenty of times, and I'll just reiterate, it is it is going to be really hard this year to uh, be just crazy high on all these rookies. I mean, you, the only way for you to really 
you should be high on him is if you're just following camp really hard. You're getting a bunch of good reports, but no preseason, uh, less time to prepare. I mean, these rookies have to take on a lot, and you have to jump right in. So uh, I'm kind of backing off a lot on my thoughts on, on drafting rookies this year because of COVID. I don't think that's a crazy idea. Paints, I think, uh, with what we're looking at this year, uh, you're asking a guy to come in, learn a playbook, and be squared away to come have a lot of success early on. And it's asking a lot of a guy. So I kind of agree with you on that. But uh, I really like our commish, Solis, uh, and and all these guys making the decision to add the two COVID spots. We've seen how many guys have gone on that COVID list. It looks like there's at least two new guys every day, whether it's for a day or two or 14 days. So I think that's going to be kind of crazy heading into the season. You guys saw how the MLB season has gone where you guys had cases, the guys had cases go from uh, maybe 14 or 12 at a time. So, you know, if you're losing one of those players for a week, it's definitely nice to have at least two COVID spots and uh, have the ability to pick up somebody on the uh, waiver wire that week. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you, Roy. One thing I will say before we, we close it up here, um, I, I was definitely a guy that is avoiding not just rookie players, but just players that are moving to different offenses and stuff this year, uh, trying to stick with players that are in the same offense or, you know, at least in a, in a good spot. But uh, some of these rookie receivers, you're getting at a crazy discount this year. And I, I don't think people remember that this is one of the best receiving um, – groups of receivers come out of the draft in a long time. I mean, there are going to be some good values here. I mean, these guys are getting picked as wide receiver fours and fives. I mean, there's a long list. I don't I don't have a great feeling about which one it's going to be, but over the second half of the season, there's going to be two, three, four of these guys that are going to be putting up a really big impact on your fantasy team. So um, I, I would avoid some of the guys like like we've talked about that are, that are rookies that are moving to, to new teams, but – once you get in that 12th, 13th round, don't be too scared off by the rookies, especially this receiving class. Cool. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining and listening in on Fake Football Real People, uh, NFC South edition. I think we provided some pretty good content here. hope you enjoyed it. Um, looking forward to the next episode. If you will, please follow us at FFRP underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, we will update with podcast drops from iTunes as well as Spotify. Looking forward to the next episode, and uh, we'll catch you then.